0: You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and turn one more time to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to wrap up verses 1 through 15 today. Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 15. And just a reminder, to you moms out there, that we do have a, a room attached to our women's bathroom in the foyer that has uh, it's a feeding room where you can watch the services live if you need to slip out for any reason. Uh, if a reward were to be given for the most useless product of uh, human genius, it might go to the Russians. True story, they're brilliant, uh, creative, uh, incredibly cruel inventors came up with something called the dog mine. This was in the days of World War II. First, they trained the dogs to associate food with the undercarriage of enemy tanks. Then they would strap bombs to the back of the dogs, deprive them of food, so that when they released the dogs into battle, they would run under enemy tanks and thus destroy, boom, destroy the tanks. And the plan, unfortunately, was working, uh, at least in the trial runs, and so they launched Operation Dog Mine uh, on the first day of the Russian involvement in World War II. Uh, they suited up the dogs, they armed the bombs, and released the hungry dogs into battle. There was just one problem. The dogs only associated food, and I guess with their keen sense of smell, they could tell the difference. They only associated food with Russian tanks. <laughs> so they, when they released them, they ran under only Russian tanks. All that intellectual knowledge and creativity put into a cruel and deadly plan that actually literally forced an entire Soviet division to retreat. They are killing themselves, right? Untold numbers of scientists, trainers, weapons specialists, all to create and instigate a plan that was destined to fail from the get-go. Paul's about to tell the Galatians then and us today don't run ahead. Don't let something good take you past the ability to enjoy it, right? There's a funny uh, meme that's been floating around about how do you politely tell someone they're unintelligent, right? So take notes, men. all right? You just look at them and say, you know what? Wisdom's been chasing you all your life, but you've always been faster, Some of y'all still don't get it. It's okay. You're the ones we're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. In Galatians 5, wisdom is chasing the Galatians, right? And so Paul's telling them, hey, don't outrun it. It's trying to catch up with you. So let's read this again, uh, Galatians 5, 1 through 15. These are the words of God. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Now, Dean Edgar was supposed to come and pray this morning. He's the one you've seen, but and I'm only mentioning this as a prayer request because Miss Norma Stanley, one of our small group leaders, uh, called me this morning. She was sick, vomiting. On uh, she's tried to get in her car and come to church, and she got sick on the way and had to pull over and vomit. And then her husband, Ron, threw his back out trying to help her into the house. Then Dean had to go, so it was a ripple effect this morning. So y'all pray for all three of those. But I want to ask Joe Walton to come up and ask God's blessing on the message today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we welcome you this morning. We thank you for who you are in us and through us. We thank you for the cross. Most of all, we thank you for our risen Savior. Mm -hmm. We ask that uh, you be with the message today. We'll have ears to hear, hearts to obey. Most of all, we bless you and pray that you be magnified today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, Galatians is, is easy to break into uh, three sections: biography, theology, and now ethics or application. Uh, in Galatians 5-2, Paul says, if you accept the law, you're turning, you're signing your own death certificate, basically. Right? So he gives two, he warns them against two threats: turning back to the law, which we've looked at the last two weeks, and then running forward beyond grace, which we hope to look at today. All right? Uh, Last week, we talked about seven honest statements about the Galatians turning back. Galatians 5.1, the first one, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery because if you do, you will be beasts of burden pulling empty carts. Verse two, number two, Christ will be of no advantage to you, meaning you'll be losing yardage on every play. Number three, you'll be obligated to keep the whole law, meaning you'll be all in on an impossible investment because you can't keep the whole law. Uh, number four, you'll be severed from Christ, set free from freedom itself. I mean, it's like breaking into jail, right, if you go back to this. Number five, in verse five, you'll miss the hope of righteousness, the hope, right? There's a hope. We have security as believers, but you'll be embracing security in an unknown future. And then number six, in verse seven, who hindered you from obeying the truth, right? You're hindering your own victory, And uh, number seven, in verse 11, the offense of the cross has been removed, meaning you're you're offending the God you seek to serve, right? So threat number one, don't turn back to self-righteousness, right, to the defeating earn your way to heaven law. Threat two, which we'll look at today, is don't run forward beyond the grace of Christ, right? What does it mean to run forward beyond God's grace? Well, uh, Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So what I want to do to grasp what Paul's saying here is I want us to understand four words, right? One is a belief system. One is a base station. One is a battleground. And one is just real basic. All right. So we'll start with the belief system. All of the Galatians, all the book of Galatians, the background and everything, is set against the backdrop of two false belief systems. On the one end, you have legalistic Judaism, right, where believers were bound, chained, shackled to the law. But on the other end, you have the leisure-minded antinomians teaching no law at all. Now, the word antinomian uh, is from two words, Anti meaning against and nomos, which is the law. So antinomian just means against law. And they believe that there's, antinomians believe there's no moral laws that God actually expects Christians to obey, right? They've taken grace to the extreme. And though we don't use that label today in our belief system, we don't go around saying, boy, he sure is antinomian, right? But there are most definitely people who billions who govern their lives in an antinomian lifestyle. They don't think of any law, right? You can watch this <laughs> on TV and in the news. They just pick and choose the laws that apply. The phrase, uh, you know, the phrase "caseira, sera, sera. You know that's for you. Uh, wiser folks in here, meaning a little bit older than the average bear. Uh, it, came, it became famous when Doris Day sang it in the Alfred Hitchcock film, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Have, have y'all seen that? Y'all don't want to admit it, all right. Okay, it loosely means whatever, what will be, will be. But the phrase basically expresses cheerful fatalism, right, as in who cares? Whatever will be, will be. Do as you please. Who cares what we do? The song says, When I was a little girl, just a little girl, I asked my mother, What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. "Kay, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. K Sarah Sarah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I guess tomorrow does. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. But we also know from the Bible what's going to happen in the future. Read it. You want to you wanna be a fortune teller, just read the Bible and you'll know what's going to happen in the future. Back in Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah 22, what they call Isaiah's fourth oracle, God condemns cheerful fatalism lest you think that's a great attitude to have. Woo-hoo, you know, right? Eat, drink, be merry. Well, this is where that verse comes from. Isaiah twenty-two eleven says, you made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, meaning you were really trying to help yourself out and store up this cistern. But you did not look to him who did it. You may have made the ditch that the water goes in, but I made the water that goes in the ditch, <laughs> Right? You did not look to him who did it or to or see him who planned it long ago. In that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and mourning. Verse 13, and behold, what did they give to God? He called for weeping and mourning. What did they give him? Joy and gladness, killing oxen and slaughtering sheep, drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die, right? The ESV Bible describes uh, God's people there as being marked, by mindless escapism and frantic self-salvation. There's the two belief system. Cheerful ignorance, forced obedience, right? Mindless escapism, frantic self-salvation. According to scholars, antinomianism takes a biblical teaching to an unbiblical conclusion. The biblical teaching is that Christians are not required to observe the Old Testament law as a means of salvation, true, true. Right, when Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the Old Testament law, right? Romans 10.4 says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, right? So antinomians took the biblical teaching that Christians aren't to observe the Old Testament law as a means of salvation. That's good. But they gave it unbiblical conclusions, right? Meaning that there's no moral law God expects Christians to obey. The false belief system of Judaism, meaning the law, using a second false belief system of antinomianism against the law as a reason to follow the first false belief system of Judaism. Y'all still tracking? <laughs> legalism using liberalism to promote legalism. We do that today, don't we? Well, if you do that, then you, next thing you know, and and their legalism creeps into the local church well yeah next thing you know you'll be throwing the bible out right it goes both ways Too liberalism uses the extremes of legalism to promote liberalism right that's why most pastors that are portrayed in hollywood are either spineless cowardly suck-ups or they're hard-nosed jerks heavy-handed (laughs) There's no in between. There's very few healthy, normal, not that I'm normal, but you know what I'm saying. All right. This is the this is the backdrop of the book of Galatians. And it's it's our backdrop today. Extremists on both sides. You know why they exist? You know why extremists exist? (laughs) Because we cannot accept sinful behavior in others. We lose our minds. If you don't believe me, just watch the news, right? Or, or just watch yourself next time you're at a red light and the person in front of you, she's in her little $70,000 Yukon and she's on her phone and the light's green. And, and your kids are in the car and you're really trying not to sin, all right? This is the backdrop, all right? extremists exist because we can't accept sinful behaviors in others so what do we do we got to do something about this we want to control other people so we change our uh, adjust our demands to force a result that no prison or or no amount of punishment can fix y'all realize that there's no amount of punishment for some people to fix. You can't fix someone's sin. Now, that does not mean that I'm not for stricter laws in some areas. I, I'm definitely for a just legal system, okay? I'm not saying case or sera, sera on the law. But friend, you're not gonna see justice fully until Jesus returns. You understand that, right? I was just telling the family this morning, there is no sin that will go unpunished, zero. God doesn't like like take a day off and go, well, we have free pass. You know, all the sins committed in the next three hours don't don't count. No, every single sin will be paid for, everyone. So when you're looking at something and seeing it as like unjust that that person gets away with something, it will be punished. It'll either be punished on their backs for eternity in hell, or it'll be punished on the cross by Jesus. Those are the only two options. There is no other option, Right? Antinomianism was the first word, all right? That the belief system was, was part of Paul's backdrop. But the second word is base a base station. That's really the definition of it. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom, and here's the word, as an opportunity for the flesh. That's the second word, opportunity. Now, we've already seen that freedom... The freedom of God can often be perverted and misused by believers. We've, we're all guilty of this in some way, abusing the grace of God. We even do that in our relationship. Someone's kind to us and we take advantage of their kindness, right? But this word opportunity is the Greek word, aphorme, which literally means a base of operations. The word opportunity means a base of operations. It's the same word Paul uses over in Romans chapter seven, verse eight, where God says, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I gotta tell you this story. We have a picture of this place up here. Uh, It's the flagship hotel in Galveston, Texas, and it was built over the water. Right. Well, below the hotel rooms was the dining area on the on that ground floor. Yeah, right there. And so uh, it, they had huge plate glass windows and people the would get to their balconies of their rooms, uh, I guess being the rednecks they were, they would fish from their balconies, right? Why not? I can cast that far. So they would tie lead weights, sinkers on, you know, to cast out in the ocean. But sometimes it would bird nest, you know, or snag and whip back into the hotel rooms below and break, shatter the glass out. And so they were spending thousands of dollars on these broken windows until someone finally came up with a brilliant solution, They removed the no fishing from balcony signs from the rooms. And just like that, the balcony fishing stopped. No one thought about fishing from the balcony until they saw a law that said, don't fish from the balcony. And they thought, well, that's a good idea, right? Friend, listen, it's the same way with us as Christians today. The law seizes an opportunity to tempt our flesh but we're set free from the law. But that doesn't mean that we should let grace give us another opportunity. MacArthur put it this way. The word opportunity describes a starting point or base of operations for an expedition. Sin uses the specific requirements of the law as a base of operation from which to launch its evil work. Confronted by God's law, the sinner's rebellious nature finds the forbidden thing more attractive. Not because it's inherently attractive, but because it furnishes an opportunity to assert one's self-will. I did it my way. I'm gonna do this. This is important, church, listen. Some of us may like be off just a little bit in the, in the smallest misunderstanding of God's grace. It just may be off by a little bit. But just like a base station, <laughs> you know, base of operations, it's gonna become a place all our bad decisions launch from that one false doctrine, that one misunderstanding. Christian freedom isn't a starting point or a base of operations from which we can freely sin and expect no consequence, earthly or heavenly. And as followers of Christ, we need to understand that. It can can turn liberty into license so that every decision we make, every uh, assault that we launch, every evil thought or word or deed that we commit leaves through the gate of our base of operations. This one misunderstanding of freedom. Right, all we've talked about in the book of Galatians, up until this point, all that grace becomes a base from which we justify not one, not two, but many of our sins. I have seen this in the life of lives of believers many times. They get they get off on one thing, they get offended by one thing, and it becomes the gateway to all these sins. Well, I grew up this way, so. Well, she walked out on me, so. Right? Well, my daddy was in, well, my boss fired, well, that church, and it becomes a base of operations, an opportunity. And that's what they're doing with grace. They're using it as a license. Paul says in Romans 7, 5, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. I call it death by degree. You know, back in 1979, 257 passengers were on board a New Zealand flight to go over Antarctica for a sightseeing expedition. And the pilots didn't know it at the time, but their flight coordinates were off by just two degrees. And it seems close enough, like if you're building a pergola outside, <laughs> two degrees sounds close. But if it's, if it's a flight, those two degrees put those men off 28 miles off course to the east of their intended path. And so as they approached what they thought was the intended destination where they would drop below the clouds and, you know, get a picturesque view of Antarctica, uh, they were unaware that they were directly in the path of a 12,000-foot volcano called, called Mount Erebus, And so tragically, the plane crashed right into the side of the volcano, killed everybody on board. It was a tragedy of epic proportions brought on by a minor thing, a minor error two degrees. And Paul understood this when it came to the Bible one degree is a belief system one degree a base station. Jay Brown said, the madman who has mistaken his tattered garments for the flowing robes of majesty and his manacles for golden bracelets studded with jewels has not erred so widely as the man who has mistaken carnal license for Christian liberty. Meaning, the prison clothes and chains that represent the law, which is wicked, are no less defiled than using Christian liberty as a license to sin. The legalistic guy is, is, is as off base as the guy who feels, sees it as a license to sin. Well, we've defined our two words uh, for our backdrop, and we know in general that the, the ramifications of misusing our Christian freedom, what those can be, but Paul gets more specific now. We've been talking in general terms. Now he's going to narrow it down. Galatians 5.13, don't use your freedom as a springboard or a launching pad or an opportunity or a base station, but a base station for what? A base station for the flesh, right? Bad belief systems need a base of operations from which to launch the battle. And that's the meaning of our third word, battleground. It's a battle. Galatians 5.13, opportunity for the flesh. Flesh is the third word. Flesh is the battle, which fundamentally means living outside the spirit of the Lord. All right? So why in the world do we have this sudden shift? This this chap, These verses 13 through 15 are just unusual. They're like, Paul's been like defending this grace, and it's, it's kind of been in a trajectory. And then all of a sudden, he like... It's like we go back to a Sermon on the Mount or something of Jesus. It's just peculiar, right? But why? Well, one would think that the Galatians, turning back to the law, would find some kind of camaraderie in their common cause, right? Their common cause uh, and their common goal of moral perfection. But it was more like, uh, y'all seen those movies where uh, there's, they're going to do a bank heist, and then the leader of the bank heist offs all the, gets the other guys in fighting. So, you know, they kill off each other and so that the leader takes all the loot. That's what's happening. <laughs> That's what's happening in the churches in Galatia, except the Judaizers are, and the devil is the one coming in, perverting all this. So, why would Paul randomly say things like, serve one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another? I thought we were talking about grace. What's that got to do with like being nice to each other? Right, What was happening in the Galatian churches that made Paul need to say that? Dr. Hill sums it up like this. Believers take their eyes off their personal relationship with Christ and begin to become performance motivated. They then compete with each other to see who can perform the best or most religious acts. This performance-motivated religion begins to grow into a religious system that strangles the true spiritual life and power from the fellowship. It ultimately poisons the whole fellowship and the people become bitter, critical, and judgmental of each other and lose their love, their joy, their peace, and their power. Church, I believe that is precisely why Paul goes on to say in those verses, through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. It's because legalism leads to that. Church, these are the same contrast that uh, Jesus laid out in John 10.10. But the thief comes only to kill and destroy, to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Listen, friend, Satan only knocks you down so he can kick you, and he only kicks you so he can ultimately kill you. (laughs) <laughs> he has one chief aim and that is to end your ability and my ability to return to Christ and enjoy a relationship with God that's what he hates y'all see that right y'all are smarter than the average bear right when you wake up on Sunday morning you know you're going to be attacked right you're not shocked when when this world throws junk at you right death disease sickness job job Loss, relationships. (laughs) It's not shocking to y'all, right? Y'all have read the Bible. I mean, y'all know that stuff happens, right? Right? I mean, so you handle it all cool. Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. We got a flat tire on a family vacation. It's no big deal. It's just 180 degrees outside. It's no big deal. deal. The kids are crying, and three of our kids have dirty diapers, but it's no big deal. I got this. I got this. Right? Y'all are so holy. I love to encourage faithful believers. And I love to show my gratitude to others for their gener- generosity, their service to God through the local church. I praise God for it. Uh, and I even mention it from the pulpit like I'm about to do. Miss Betty's desserts on Wednesday night supper. Now we don't, amen. I got an amen for you. Y'all won't amen my sermon, but I get an amen on them. <laughs> Uh, so, but by the way, we're not having Wednesday night this week, but you won't in on her desserts, you'll be here at next uh, in two weeks, right? Rusty and Steve, they've been cutting grass for years here. Y'all do realize it cost us about 30 grand to cut grass for a year, 11 acres. We're not talking about the front patch out here. We're talking about the whole thing. And they cut it faithfully and maintain our the, the mowers, Matter of fact, uh, Rusty probably spent, uh, he's on family vacation this week down in Florida, but they probably spent, he spent 12 hours this past week just going through emails to enter in to get um, donations for our February 25th wild game dinner, which is a big to-do, right? All the unsung generosity of those who faithfully give to building and grounds to pay off our loan, update our facilities. Did y'all know that on Sundays, Sometimes Kimber Gantz takes, she's mad at me right now, she takes her 12 o'clock lunch break at 9.30 to come in and teach your knuckle-headed kids. My, mine are in there too, so I can say that, right? Hunter, Hunter and I are financially supported through the offerings of the church. I'm thankful for that. But none of the other praise team gets paid. Most churches with a praise team like this pay somebody. And we don't. They're all volunteer. Our sound booth, JR and Andrew, Andrew's up there today filling in for JR and Tom. Those are volunteer positions. Rodney and Ken setting signs up for our church. Matter of fact, Rodney Perkins built the frame of the sign and then we made him put it up. <laughs> the one out there in front of the bank. Hey, you made it. Why don't you just go out and put that sign up, right? We have men and women in our church that can barely walk who are some of the greatest, most faithful volunteers? <laughs> Makes me wanna say, what's your excuse, right? You know? We have small group leaders, we have people changing kids' dirty diapers. Did you know at our church, people actually let us do background checks on them and give us their personal information so they can change your kid's diaper? Christianity's crazy. I mean, you had some whack jobs in here, man. That's real. Tommy Maynard cooks and serves constantly. Joe Walton, Chad, uh, Chris Jones. Viol- they come up here on a Wednesday night to do security because it's, it's, it seems like such a small thing until it's not a small thing, right? The Pickerings and the Godwins and others, all these folks who've been given luggage and Sarah Hines and Ray, so we can haul gifts to Kenny and Bethany in uh, on our trip to South Asia this at the end of this month. James Watson and his son, uh, Dave Watson, and his grandson, J.T. Watson, all for years have been voluntarily maintaining our AC systems. And we got a bunch of AC systems. I and mean, I don't have time to, or the memory to thank everyone, right? But I'm saying all this because there's a lot of God-honoring obedience that goes on in this place. And I recognize that our folks don't do it to be praised. That's why you're trying to crawl under the pew when I mention your name. I'm proud for that. But we still, the moment that we start viewing works as good works as a ladder is the moment that we start to chatter and scatter. Lord, you've protected us thus far. Keep it going, right? Grace is the surest path to unified service to God. Because we all know the levels, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Like we're all sinners. Just thinking of Holly and how many years she served and Lauren and I could name me, I could, About every way I look in here has got somebody that's volunteering. Tracy or their Bible studies off campus. And I'm blessed by that. But we can't change it. <laughs> we can't change our motives. Our motives have to be to please the Lord. Well, fourth... Uh, is the basics of the law we've got antinomianism opportunity flesh now we need one last word right for the whole law is fulfilled verse 14 in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself well that he said one word that's a heck of a word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious which by the way does have a meaning it means extraordinarily good (laughs) or wonderful I guess that's the modern dictionary or whatever I got a better one for you than supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. How about love your neighbor as yourself? That's a heck of a word. (laughs) Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? And we say those words so much that uh, that we forget to obey them. You know words you say so much, they don't have as much meaning. I've told y'all before about the time I was on the phone with an insurance agent. I said, bye, I love you. Click. (laughs) Now, what do you do in that situation, do I call him back? Uh, hey Mike, did you, you did you happen to hear what I said right before I hung up? Oh, you did. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, I didn't mean it. Good luck with my insurance, right? Next time you run into him at cousins, you're like, Hey Mike, how's the, how's the family? How about those bears? (laughs) Hey, listen. There are 31,000 laws or 31,000 verses in the Bible, and many of those are about laws. Matter of fact, the English word for law occurs over 400 times in the the Old Testament alone. And uh, they say there's 613 specific commands in the Old Testament alone, a thousand roughly in the New Testament. That's a lot of verses, right? And right here in this crazy verse, he says it's all bound up in one word. Paul says, though we are eternally sealed by faith in the grace of Jesus Christ, we are still morally obligated to keep the law. Paul never saw grace as abolishing the law, but fulfilling it. Church, I've mentioned this before, but Satan is the author of confusion. But 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. I think Stott breaks this passage down really well. He says, Christian freedom is not freedom to indulge the flesh. Verse, 15, verse 13, don't use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Number two, it's not, it's not freedom uh, to exploit my neighbor, right? That's why it says through love, serve one another. But if you bite and devour one another, you'll consume one another, each other. And then number three, Christian freedom is not freedom to disregard the law. That's why it says in verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled In one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The law wasn't disregarded by Paul. It was preached by Paul, completed by Jesus Christ. And get this, it is fulfilled where? Right here. Where is the law fulfilled? In some other place? Where is the law fulfilled? It's fulfilled when you and I love one another as ourselves. We are the fulfillment of God's law. Does does that make sense to you? Our our obedience is fulfilled when we love one another as ourselves. Can you remember the last time you loved somebody like you love yourself? Some of you don't love yourselves, and that's why you got self-esteem issues, and that's why you hate other people. Four words. Antinomianism. Opportunity. Flesh. Flesh. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's a word we could put to use, isn't it? Right? No matter how many times we say it, <laughs> it's, still, it's still good to do. God help us. May we learn from all four of these words today. Would you stand? Father God, we praise you. We thank you that there's hope or the book of Galatians wouldn't have been written to a bunch of new believers who were already turning back to legalism. And then you had a bunch of uh, believers trying to run past grace and use grace as as a freedom to sin. And Paul believed with all his heart that there was still hope. I believe with all my heart that there's hope for every soul in this worship center today. Anyone who hears this message has hope. And I pray that they would call on the name of the Lord if they haven't and be saved. It's not magic. It's not a magic trick. It was a willing sacrifice on the cross that you gave to us. You wrap the gift and we unwrap it through faith. We're not going to sit there and stare at it. We want to open it and enjoy it. And Lord, it is your desire that we enjoy. we got fall break coming up for many people in this room, and many are already out enjoying it now. But we can't enjoy that if we're bound under the law or we're running ahead using freedom as an excuse to sin. So God, if we're believers, those of us that are believers here today, I pray if we need to confess sins to you, we'd do it. Stop getting ahead of you, if there's anybody here today that wants to step forward and, and become part of our church family, volunteer, to serve at our church, Lord, that they would do this so today, Lord. Whatever our decisions are, we pray we would make them and not leave the this place, this room, this gathering of the church body without having changed something for the good through your word, cleansing our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.